Welcome to the Unstoppable CEO Podcast with Steve Gordon. Welcome to a joint episode of the Unstoppable CEO Podcast and the Advisor Inner Circle Podcast. My name is Steve Gordon. I am here today with my friend and co-host, John Curry. Mr. Curry, good to see you. Good to see you, Steve. Gosh, it's been a while. We've been doing this uh, lockdown thing and you and I haven't had our usual breakfast in uh, a few months. Uh, I'm kind of missing that. Same here, but you know what? We had some uh, good time earlier. We've been together so far about two hours today and folks and uh, got a lot of good ideas that we want to share. And uh, I predict, Steve, that the work we've already done this morning is going to be uh, empowering us to help a lot of people and help ourselves at the same time. So let's no continue, with that, continue with that theme. No doubt about it. Well, we are, uh, we are social distancing through Zoom right now, so... It's, this has been a different world, but I got to tell you, life goes on and, and things things keep moving. You know, today, I, I really want to talk about something that I've observed in you um, and the way you approach business development. And I think I think it'll be particularly impactful for folks. I don't think that it's necessarily any, any kind of new revelation as a result of what's going on in the world right now. I think this is a timeless principle that applies now and will apply at any point. And so one of the things I've observed in you, John, is you you just have this way of, of looking at the long view when it comes to business development. You, you have this confidence about you and I've watched you, I've watched you articulate this, you know, you come across a person that you want to do business with. It isn't that you don't want to do business with them right away, but you are, I'm going to use two words that I think will, will be important as we go through this conversation. You are patient and you're persistent. You will identify them and you'll go, that guy or that girl is going to be a client. I don't know when, but they're going to be a client. And you extend that way of thinking to the way you do marketing. And we're going to get into some examples of, of that and, and uh, really the way you do all of your business development. I believe wholeheartedly that that is one of the things that makes you so successful. So, um, so that's what I want to talk about today. So what is it about you? Where did you pick up this, uh, this ability to kind of I don't know, almost disconnect from the feeling of need of having to get that person as a client right now and say, I'm going to get them. I don't know when, but I'm going to get them. I think the beginning of it was because of uh, playing football in high school. I wasn't aware of it then, but I think it's going back to football. I think it's going back to my military background in the Air Force and the kickboxing I did in Thailand. Uh, because if you're playing any type of sport, you understand you have to be patient you can't rush it. Sometimes if you're too fast, you're going to mess it up. I think that's part of it. But I think part of this just human relations, just understanding that in the world of sales, and we're all in sales, you're the professional salesperson or you're selling yourself personally every day. But when you're too quick to rush in, you scare people. So I just learned at an early age in my 20s, as I came to business at 22, I just learned the best thing to do is just be patient. And not just have one case. If I'm trying to get Steve Gordon as a client and you're the only one on my list, I got a problem. <laughs> so I had to go find ways to add more Steve Gordons to the list and then be patient that when you were ready, I would do it. And one of the things that helped me, and I'd recommend people read the book if you haven't, is Dale Carnegie's book on sales. And he starts off the very uh, first, uh, How to Win Friends and Influence People. The very first paragraph, he talks about he loves to go trout fishing. He loves strawberry shortcake, but he discovered that the trout don't like strawberry shortcake. So his point is give them what they want and take time 
and be patient. So for me, it just made sense. Don't rush because if I push you too fast, I'm going to offend you or scare you. And then the persistence part uh, is just understand that people do things when they're ready, not when you're ready. That's taught to anyone in sales from day one, but it's hard to believe it. It's hard to act on it because you're so quick to make a sale. And I will tell you that in my younger days, I was too quick. I would rush in. I got the best thing since sliced bread, blah, 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 blah. And uh, nothing happened because I scared the hell out of them because my enthusiasm, uh, they're like, oh, I'm not ready for this guy. You know? <laughs> so some of it was by trial and error, my friend. Well, yeah. And I, but, <clears throat> but here we are and we get, to, we get to share. That's what I love about this medium. Um, we get to sit down and have a conversation that we would have had, you know, over a scotch. And, um, but instead we get to kind of capture it and share it with the world and help people. And I, I hope, I hope as we go through this, it's going to help a lot of people. Um, I, I think that's a really key kind of shift there. And I don't, you, you said the, the idea that, that people buy when they're ready to buy, not when you want them to buy is sort of fundamental to, you know, what we're all taught in sales. And I, I disagree with that. I think you'll hear that a lot. I think it's said a lot, but I also think that when you look at a lot of the so-called sales gurus that are out there, they might say that, but then they're teaching you, well, you need to have this magic script so that you can close people in one call. Right. And I think that's, at that point, that's just manipulation. You know, I'm all for being efficient in sales. I'm not saying you shouldn't have a script and a process and and all of that, but people buy when they're ready to buy. And I think the, the real long-term answer is just get enough of a pool of people that you're communicating with that there's always somebody ready to buy. I agree totally, but I think also it's our responsibility to ask people, are you ready to buy? Of course. I remember early, early in my career, a guy that I knew very well from the Shriner, his name was Charlie, and one day I, he made a comment that he had bought some life insurance from another agent in town. I said, Charlie. Why didn't you do business with me? You know, that's what I do. Back then, all I did was life insurance. You know, then later, I started doing more of the financial planning, retirement planning, investments, all that. But back in the early days, it was strictly life insurance. And he says, young man, let me tell you something. It is your job to let me know what you do. It is your job for my business. It is not my job to chase you down and let you sell me something. That kind of stung. And I thought about it, and I got mad. Later, and I calmed down, I thought, Holy cow. He's right. So just because we have this list comes back to persistence now. Just because we have people on our list that we want to do business with, you can't ignore them. You need to keep in touch with them on a regular basis. They need to know you're still there. But occasionally, instead of just sending content, you've got to say, hey, Steve, are you ready? Hmm. I'm here. Would you like to do business? And I tell people this. What popped in my head when you made a comment as you introduced us to the two words, patience and persistence, was having the ability to look at someone and say, Steve, I need to put you on notice. Okay, what's wrong? I'm going to do everything in my power. Everything in my power that's legally, morally, and ethically right to get you as a client. If you and I don't do business together, it's going to cost us both money. And I just stop and I pause. Now, you think about it. If someone says to you, I'm going to do everything in my power, legally, morally, fine. What goes through your mind? There has to be a little bit of, wow, I, I, I feel kind of special here. I mean, this person really wants me. Yeah. 
That's powerful. See, most people, <clears throat> it's very powerful when you do it. And then, then when you follow by saying, if we don't do business, it's going to cost us both money. They'll say, well, usually, they'll say, well, what do you mean? Well, if you're not doing business with me, you're not getting my services, my products that are good. If I'm not doing business and helping you, then I'm not getting compensated. So if we, if we solve your needs and your desires and I get paid, then it's a win-win, isn't it? Well, yeah. Why don't we get together and see if there's a fit? No pressure, no hassle, right? Yeah, it's a piece of cake. You know, um, it, it's, I, I think it's easy for people to listen to this and think, well, maybe these are kind of competing ideas, but they're not. Um, you know, you're saying you've got to ask for the sale, and you should. You need to give people the opportunity to take the next step. And if you don't put it out in front of them, they're not going to. Well, let me counter that. I don't, I don't agree with that, that I just asked you for the sale. What I ask you for is the opportunity to find out if we're a fit. Mm-hmm. There's a difference. <clears throat> see, the difference between I, what I see in young associates today, they're not being taught sales 101. Everyone out there, I don't give a damn what you do for a living, should have to take a course on sales 101. How do you just deal with people? That's salesmanship right there. You know, you're, you're courteous, you're respectful, you, you know what to say to engage in a conversation, you identify what people really want and need in life, and then you feel the need. So by getting people to understand that you know you have confidence you can help them and get them to want to hear more, then you're engaging in the conversation. But I tell people, I have nothing to sell you. What would I possibly sell you, Steve? I don't know anything about you yet. We're just going to have a cup of coffee together or lunch brought in or a drink or a glass of wine, and we'll find out if we're fit. You know what? 30 minutes to 40 minutes ago, we're going to know real quickly if we even want to meet again. Don't you think? Yeah. And that's what I mean by the patience and the persistence when you said that earlier. I'm patient enough to let's find out if there's a fit. And if there is, then I'm going to be persistent to keep in touch with you now, if I find out you're wasting my time and stringing me along, at some point I'm going to say, hey, you know, I'd be happy to have a drink with you, but let's be serious and understand that, yeah, we're, we're not going to do business. If that's, if that's the case and I still want to spend time with you, great. We'll, we'll call that social time. <laughs> and I have people like that. I have, I have people I spend time with. They're not clients. They never will be because of other relationships they've got. Does that mean you know, that I can't be a friend with them? Of course not. Of course. So the- – this all leads me into just some of the things I've observed in, in your marketing here recently. We had a conversation, what, six, six or eight months ago about a, an email course that, that uh, you and your, your team were putting together. And, and the idea behind the email course was you were going to take pieces of, of stuff that you might teach in a webinar or, or in your book or in, in other things, and you put them into a series of emails. How many emails? I, I can't remember. I don't remember, and I got to give credit where credit's due. April Schoen, my business partner, put that together. She said, yeah. "She said, here's the deal: you've got this content, this knowledge. Uh, I have the ability to help you know put this in a, a process, if you will, technology." So April gets credit for that. I think it's seven emails. I think, be, yeah, yeah, somewhere in there. But but the idea is that over a period of of uh, you know a few weeks, they're getting these repeated emails from you and. Uh, you know, in the way that you approach that, I remember the conversation like, hey, let's try it. I don't know if it's going to work or not. Let's try it. We've had some good success with things like that. 
both for us and for some of our clients. And, and, uh, and so you guys went to work, you've implemented it. Um, you had some, some good initial results and, um, and you've continued to promote it and, and try and put people through there. And the interesting thing is like, you, you haven't had thousands of people go through it. And I think no. this is where, this is where people I think go wrong is they, they look at, at small numbers and they think that somehow that's failure. I had a, a client, um, you know, you, you and I both know him who did a, a webinar and uh, here recently and they had a, an issue with getting the invitations out and it only went to a small and went to like 40 people instead of 400 or whatever it was supposed to go to, you know, and he only had one person sign up and, or one person show up. And uh, you know, and so I, you know, and he wanted to give up on the whole strategy. And I see people do this sort of thing all the time where the first time out of the gate, they get a small result. And instead of saying, wow, that was amazing and saying, okay, well, let's do it again and see if we can get a little bit bigger result and having that persistence with it, they kind of give up. And you guys, have, you know, you were telling me about the results you're getting with the, the email course. Uh, you said you had a, just another kind of cohort of people go through it. And every time you've got groups going through it, it's spitting out a couple of clients. Well, that's, that's huge. It's not all the clients you need in a month, but between that and your postcards and your webinar and your podcast and your book, all of these things kind of create an ecosystem. And picking up the telephone, say it's time to do a review. Hey, are you ready? Uh, I was on the phone day before yesterday with five different clients. And so the team had booked appointments and they were kind of scattered around. I said, hmm, I wonder if I can get all these people in one day because they're all sitting at home probably anyway. So I just started calling. You know, uh, some of them took 15 minutes, some took 30 minutes. And before noon, I already had knocked out uh, five phone calls. So I freed up the rest of that day and freed up uh, a lot of yesterday because we had a webinar we did yesterday that uh, to put it in perspective of numbers, we had 56 people register. At the high point, we had 29 on the webinar. And I think April said we had 27 that stayed the whole time, which to me is amazing that you had people stay the whole time. But you're right. We don't need, we don't rely on huge, huge numbers. You never have. My seminars, you've been to some of my actual live seminars, you know, we'll have 30, 40 people. Now we've had as many as 100 people in the room, 99 to be exact, uh, last year a couple of times. But uh, I, I don't want that many, really, because I don't have the ability to have personal interaction. If I can have 30, 40 people. Now, of course, with the webinars, you know, if we have 1,000 people, that's great. But here's the question. If you have 1,000 people, how will I have time to get to everybody? By the time I get to all of them, they're cold. Now, I don't care if we have... <clears throat> yeah, I was, I was just going to say that. I mean, that's a huge thing. I mean, everybody seems to have this perception. I hear this over and over again that you know, I need to get all these hundreds of people or thousands of people on webinars and, uh, you know, or into an in-person seminar. I need to get dozens and dozens of people, you know, and they look at it as this one-time event. And I've watched you. and I've seen what's successful. I've watched our other clients. I've seen what they do that's successful. I know what's successful in our own business. The thing that seems to always win is not that you're going to do one seminar and get a hundred people, but that you did 10 in a year and maybe you got a hundred people at a few of them, but you got 10, 20, 30. And again, and again, and again, you're, you know, you're kind of consistently getting that level of performance. And uh, it's really interesting. So I was on uh, you know, we've got this uh, new group 
program I was, I was telling you about earlier, where uh, kind of uh, guiding people through creating their own book and their podcast and, and uh, their, their whole marketing system. You know, I made a statement on our call with all those folks last week that, you know, I asked uh, one of our, our clients in there was really struggling with feeling the need to get in front of tons of people. And I said, well, if you got in a room with like five really great prospects, would that be a worthwhile investment of an hour of your time? And he's like, of course. And so I start seeing things in the comments on the, on the uh, webinar, like, oh my gosh, that's the greatest thing. Yes, of course. And I, and I think that's the re- that's part of the reframe here is, and it's something that you've done so well, you've had t- tell the story at one point of doing a seminar where one person showed up. <laughs> yes. In a storm. <laughs> yeah. And you gave them the option. You're like, well, you're the only one here. Do you want to go forward? And I, you said, I'm willing to go forward if I recall. And he said, yeah, let's do it. So you gave the seminar to one person. I know a lot of people who would have felt dejected and disappointed and would have canceled. And you ended up turning that person into a client, didn't you? Oh, yes. One of my best clients. He died about three years ago. And uh, that was back in the early 80s. In fact, I first started doing seminars, I think, uh, I think it was for fact January of 1981. And had something happen there that made me give up. And then I didn't do another until October of 81. And what happened is a guy came in drunk. I thought somebody set me up. See, we had a small group, people were sitting in chairs, no tables. It was at the downtown Hilton, which, which is now the, uh, whatever the heck it's called. Forget the brand, a double tree. So this guy comes in, he's got a cigarette, a long ash about three inches long in one hand and a drink. And he just, he comes in and says, what's this group? And he passes out, falls right in front of me between me and the audience. And I'm thinking somebody, I didn't know the word back then, punk. I thought somebody was punking me, you know. I look around and nothing's happening. And all of a sudden the door burst open and some people come running in. There he is. There he is. He was at another meeting, got drunk and they lost him. And there he was. So they get him up and drag him out. I said, I'm never going to get in front of the group again in my life. So I didn't do another damn seminar until October. I mean, cause it, that's, Back then, I was writing as I go on a flip chart. It was big old white easels. So I didn't have a computer. You know, we didn't have it. There was no iPad. There was no uh, computer like we have now, no computer. And that goes back a long time ago. But I gave up too. And then finally one day I said, wait a minute. I know this will work. I know this will work. And then my very second seminar, every person in the room, I repeat, every person in the room became a client. I've never had that happen since. But that second one where I didn't give up, everyone did. Now, some of them only bought a, back then the IRA contribution was $1,500 max. Some of them were that small. But some of those people to this day are still with me. And unfortunately, a lot of them have died because uh, they were in their 60s and 70s then. But uh, the point is, be persistent, don't give up. If, and, and I would even be stronger and say this, on my postcard that we sent out, promoting this webinar yesterday, we had five webinars on, promoting five at one time. Why? Because it forces us to follow through. We've got dates, we've got, we got plans to do four more. And before these are ending, we'll have another five that we'll promote. Well, and I think that's really critical. I mean, that's, you and I both use this as a technique to push ourselves forward. We will make public commitments to things mm-hmm. that maybe haven't yet been created as a way to force us to create it. 
you know? Right. And then, and then when you later say to yourself, why the hell did I do that? Because now you got to do the work, right? Yeah, now you got to do the work, but that's how it gets done, right? That's the secret. <laughs> so most what I see a lot of times is people go, well, yeah, I'll do, I'll, I'll create the PowerPoint. And then that takes them six months, right? Cause they never, they don't have a deadline. And uh, you know, and then we'll get it scheduled and all, and two, two or three years go by and they don't do it. <laughs> Say so where I'm different than that. This is where I don't have patience. This is where I am definitely impatient. See, my style is, okay, you go work on the PowerPoint. I'm going to get about 25 people in the room. I'm just going to stand in front of the room and say, look, folks, I don't have a PowerPoint presentation. I'm not going to bore you or kill you with PowerPoint. I'm just going to share what's in my head and my heart. Can we do that? And they go, ah, thank God. <laughs> <That's right. laughs> well, you know, it, you, you talked to a little while ago about giving people opportunity to find out if they're a fit. And I yes. think that's one of the other key things. So you, you've created this, what I, I would use the term, this kind of experience of omnipresence. So for the people in your world, for the small, valuable group of people that are in your world, they're on planet Curry, you have created this experience for them of omnipresence. So you haven't tried to be out there in front of everybody in the community or everybody in your potential market, but you've selected this subset that you're focused on. And, you know, and within that group, they're getting postcards from you on a consistent basis, multiple times a year, sometimes monthly, you know, at times in the past, they've gotten, you know, four page printed newsletter. They're getting emails from you weekly on different topics and they're all valuable. Um, they're getting invitations to webinars generally at least once a month. And right now, because of all that's going on in the world, you guys have really stepped in to, to try and, and, and give your, your market confidence. They're getting exposed to your podcast, whether they listen to it or not, they know that you've got one and that's creating authority. You've got your book out there. You got all this stuff like everywhere you turn. And then sometimes you show up like in the newspaper or on TV, you know, not frequently, but enough. So for somebody that's in that group, they think you're everywhere and they look at every other one of your competitors and there are a lot of them. And I would imagine they go, well, who are they? I got this Curry guy over here. He's everything. And within all of that, you give constantly giving them these off ramps. It's like they're on the highway, right? They're on the Curry highway. And every now and then there's an off ramp to find out if they're a fit. And sometimes they take the off ramp and they go, yeah, not yet. They get back on the highway and a little further down, there's another off ramp. And it's just, it's been fun. I, you know, I've been working together for 10 years. It's just phenomenal to watch this. You're like a living case study of, of the way to do this. And, and uh, you know, and, and I think that takes a particular mindset. Well, I appreciate the, the, the kind words there, but I would tell you, it's not only a mindset, <clears throat> It's a willingness to get off your butt and take action. See, you and I, we talked about this earlier. Uh, we haven't agreed that we can discuss it, so I'm going to throw it out anyway. If you don't like it, you cut me off. <laughs> but but, but we, haven't, we haven't really had our normal time together in three months. And when we're together, we push each other. We challenge each other. We call it questioning each other's answers. And I would encourage everyone who's listening to this, team up with someone, one person, 10 people, whatever. Napoleon Hill in the book, Think and Grow Rich, calls it a mastermind alliance. You've got to have some people that will not suck up and kiss up. They'll tell you how it is. And if they don't agree, they'll tell you. Hopefully, they'll be kind. Uh, but what you and I have is we push each other. You know, you told me about something earlier, and I, and 
I, I wrote it down. I got four, excuse me, three and a half pages of notes here from earlier. And I said, okay, when are you going to do it? Remember that? Yeah. And I, anytime you ask me that, I know I better write that down because you're going to ask me about it again. I better have that, that thing done. Likewise. So that's the accountability side. That's the action side. But also you had it, something was on your mind. It was troubling. We had a conversation about it. And then all of a sudden it developed what we call, and we learned from our friend uh, Dan Sullivan, it worked on your money confidence, right? So all of a sudden you took something that was a little bit troubling and by you talking about it, not me giving any advice, I'm just listening. You're doing the talking. And all of a sudden you said, wow, okay, here's what I want to do. Here's how I'll do it. So it's the mindset, but it's then the action set too. You, you can talk about it all day long. You can think you're great. You can say, Ooh, I'm going to sit here and wish for success. I got news for you. You don't get off your ass and take action. Nothing's going to happen. Well, I know this is going out to uh, the Advisor Inner Circle podcast uh, listeners and, and also to our Unstoppable CEO podcast listeners. I know within both audiences, we've got a lot of folks who um, are trying to figure out all of this marketing and, and sales stuff. They might be either new in their career or new in their business, but, but we've got a lot of folks at the beginning. Well, I, I want to share this with, with people. I don't care where you are in your business. I don't care what kind of business. I don't care what it is. Any business can benefit from the things that we're talking about here, and, and especially the, the uh, marketing ideas that Steve brings to the table. I have intentionally, and Steve alluded to it earlier, I have intentionally limited the scope of my work. <clears throat> I don't want everyone as a client. Uh, now, my team does. Okay, we can take care of everybody. It doesn't matter if they're a young couple, somebody 90 years old. But that, so I'm not saying I don't want them. But one thing that will help you in the marketing side and being more patient and persistent is to be clear on who you really want. And that's going back to the very beginning, Steve, of marketing and sales. Who do you want to serve? When I teach a class, I think in terms of who do you want to serve? Why do you want to serve them? Okay, what will you do for them? How will you do it? When will you do it? Where will you do it? So I think in terms of the who has to come first. Because if I'm all things to all people, then I'm nothing. And we've all heard some variation of that. So I, I would say that if you know clearly who you wish to serve, and the key word is serve, if you think you're just selling someone and getting money, then I don't think this is going to work. But if you truly decide you have a following, you have a calling, you have a purpose, and you're going to serve these people, you'll be shocked at how easy it is to develop the patience and persistence. And then you will be okay with investing like we did $2,100 to mail out three uh, full-color postcards because that was not an expense. That's 3,000 little postcards, i.e. miniature billboards that floated around this community somewhere. Yeah, and I think, uh, I think being able to do that, you know, particularly where I think a lot of people are right now, and pe people may listen to this in the future, and, and, uh, and this big global calamity may be long, <laughs> long behind us. Um, and I hope that it is. Um, I still think it's relevant though. I think a lot of people right now may be looking at things and really worried about, you know, where, where things are going to go. And, you know, you and I really became close friends during the, the great recession. 
08, 09, mm-hmm. 2010. Um, well, great recession, great heart attack year, heart surgery, and and I'll, I'll let you share if you went to your side. But but yes, you damn right. It was a tough year in 2008 because of the recession and major heart triple bypass for me. And you, my friend, were there with me. Well, that and and uh, on my end of it, I you know my business was at the time was. Uh, heavily tied into the the real estate industry in Southeast Florida and, and <clears throat> things did not go well there. Our, we had 90% of our clients go out of business in six months, you know, and uh, you know, thankfully we were reasonably okay, but you know, we had to, you know, make a decision about where we're we going to go forward in that business or not. And we decided thankfully not to, because there was no, there was no real future there for a decade, you know? And so we went, uh, my partners and I all went in different directions, but challenges on the personal side as well. And, and you and I were at that place. And where I want to go with this is, you know, we were both in, um, in, in not only parts of our personal lives, but in business where things were extremely challenging. And the thing that I kind of walked out of that uh, whole experience after having rebuilt a new business out of it was that there's always a tomorrow. And what you decide to do with it, I think, is up, up to you. And that's really where, to me, that comes back around to being able to have the mindset to be persistent, to be patient with things. If you are feeling desperate and like the world is going to end, you know, you're just so worried about your well-being. You don't have confidence in your well-being in the future. Not only are you going to have a really hard time just functioning, you're going to repel a lot of people. And the truth of the matter is, no matter how you feel, you know, it's not that the fear is, is unfounded. But how you deal with that, I think, is really, really important. And it, it informs your ability to, to be able to take this long view. And the confidence that I got out of that, that very difficult time before, John, was that no matter what happens, I'm going to be okay. I can build it back up. I know how to generate revenue. I know how to generate income. So let's talk about what happened there. So what happened is in a moment of crisis, in a moment of crisis, you have a choice to make. You can embrace it. It's okay. I don't like this. This sucks. Well, this, this really sucks. And then go get drunk, take destructive behaviors, or you can say, hmm, I've got to find a way out of this thing. And you surround yourself with one or two people, because if you have three really, really close friends in life, you're very fortunate. Okay. We have a lot of acquaintances, very few real good friends uh, like you, Marjorie, others who stuck with me during my, my, my uh, heart time, heart surgery. Um, but there are people out there that you know and you love that you can have a relationship with to be encouraging for each other. But what I, I had the pleasure of speaking at our Rotary Club just uh, a month ago via Zoom. <clears throat> and they asked me to talk because of a presentation I gave in the past about creating confidence in an un- unconfident world. And what I shared just popped in the head and we'll share here. All of us have fear. All of us have times when we're uncertain, where we feel, am I, can I really rise to the occasion? Okay. And I have people who know me, they'll say, you know, you're, you're the most confident person I know. They say, well, I'm like that duck on the pond, I'm smoothly swimming along, but I'm paddling like hell underneath the water. You know, we all have some of that. But I would just simply say, think about all the things that have happened in our world. Uh, in this particular presentation, I was talking about the Spanish flu in 1918 and the number of people that died from it. 
we're always going to have tragedies. We're going to have problems. It's just that today, with Zoom, Facebook, you know, all the other stuff, that I, don't, I don't even know what's available, we see it faster. We see it faster. And it also is a quick way to destroy our confidence. I think we have to be very selective in who we allow in our heads. You know, people may be regretting allowing us in their heads. You know, I don't know. Uh, <laughs> that's okay. But, We're having a good time having a conversation. That's right. But, I, but I, I mean this seriously. What I'm about to say might even offend some people. But here's my view. Anyone, anyone and anything, anyone and anything that shakes my confidence in that moment is my enemy. Period. Because the most important thing you have is your confidence, your personal confidence and power. Now, you can be stupid with it. I can say, well, I can do anything and and decide that I'm going to go play for the Dallas Mavericks tomorrow. Eh. I don't have the skill set. I'm 67 years old. I weigh 234 pounds. Okay, I I can't dribble, much less dunk a damn basketball. So I got news for you. Ain't going to be playing. So I got to be realistic as to what my capabilities are too. So we're not talking about Pollyanna here. You've got, you've got to recognize where you are. But if you have a focus on what you truly believe in, you have a purpose, calling, call it what you want, then it gives you the ability to be patient and to be persistent. But I am going to take issue with one thing. There's always tomorrow, but it may not be there for us. I could die today. I could die today. Uh, for four months, I've been dating a lady who's a funeral director. And we have some very, very interesting conversations sometimes about, in her world, it's a sense of urgency. Call comes in, she's got to take it, got to deal with it. I don't have that sense of urgency in my world. And it's helped me understand more and more, uh, and I'm going to interview her for a podcast at some point, too, about some of this. But we better enjoy the time we've got. My heart surgeon reminded me of that. Yesterday, I had a follow-up with my cardiologist, and we were chuckling about some of the things that have happened in those 11 years. But plan, I plan, as you know, if I live to be 100 years old. But I've also planned that I could die today. That's why my life insurance is in place, my wills, trust documents, things like that. So I'm going to plan for the future to be 100, but I'm going to accept the fact I may not have a tomorrow. So I better do the things today that I want to do, take the action today to give me the best possible opportunity and outcome in the future. And one more thing I would say regarding these two words of patience and persistence, you're a good football coach, you say this all the time. Don't worry about the score, play your position. Don't worry about your teammate, play your position. Don't be telling somebody else they've made a mistake, play your position. Quit being so damn quick to judge other people and just judge yourself. Am I doing what needs to be done. And I just learned something new. Again, I knew this before from uh, reading and studying Wayne Dyer. People say, do your best. Maybe you shouldn't do your best. Maybe you should should just do. Because when you first do something, you're not going to be your best. When I first started kickboxing, I got my butt kicked a few times, (laughs) you know, because I wasn't too good at it. Uh, So now I'm of the opinion just go do it. Don't worry about being the best. Just go do it. Take action. John Maxwell, the leadership guru, talks about failing forward. Just go ahead and get it done. Get it out of the way. Fall flat on your face. Boom. Busted my butt. You know, get it and go again. 
But if you, but if we take those kind of mindsets, Steve, it makes it easier to be patient and persistent. But if we have this mind instant success, and we beat ourselves up because we didn't we didn't succeed on the first attempt. So what? Neither did Thomas Edison, Alexander Graham Bell with the telephone, or Edison with electricities. So what? Henry Ford, you know, with with the automobile. But go back and since you're sitting around, you know, watching television or watching Netflix, get out a book. Maybe read some of some of the the people who have done great things in the past that will motivate you and inspire you. Well, and, and better yet, start building out your, your marketing system, Absolutely. selling system, you know, take that time, build out an email course, plan a webinar, send a, send an email inviting people, you know, don't wait for uh, yeah. the right opportunity. Just do it. Well, I can hear somebody right now saying, well, I don't know how to do that. So here's what you do how to do. You know how to pick up a telephone. So Hey, Steve, John Curry calling. We've not talked in about four months. How are you doing, buddy? How are you, how are you weathering this virus? What color mask do you have? You know, but I think you're the Frito Bandito robbing a bank. You laugh and you have a good time. And then you know what's going to happen? Steve's going to say, you know, John, I'm glad you called. I've got some money sitting over here in the bank CD making nothing. Matter of fact, they're making me pay them to hold it. Can you help me with that? Next thing you know, voila, you do business. That happened three times this week. Three times, just having a conversation with people, they said, oh, we got some stuff, let's do business. Yep. So you don't need the technology, just pick up the phone. Yep, it's all right there. There's plenty of opportunity. And uh, we've been all over the place in this one, but I think valuable stuff, just kind of bringing it. Well, I don't recall us having it scripted. We did not, no. (laughs) Bringing it kind of back around, I mean, I think the key thing in, in here and where all of this plays together is to be able to take that long view. You've got to have confidence that it's ultimately going to provide you a return. And I think that's what people, that's what prevents people from doing it. And so yes. you've got to, you got to have confidence that, um, that it will provide a return. I think what, what I would advocate, what I would argue is that when you take that long view and you get started, as you say, just do, don't worry about doing your best, just do, and you get moving, you're going to learn in the process. And so what you do today may not be exactly what you do six months from now or six years from now or 60 years from now. I guarantee it won't be. Yeah. But if you don't take the action today, you're never going to learn what you need to know so that you can make the adjustment to the thing that's going to work even better. And, I, you know, and that's, that's really what I, I really want people, this is a, we're going through a great reset of things. This is a tremendous opportunity to reevaluate what, what you've been doing and look at how you can take things to an even greater level in the future. And I believe that with my, my whole heart. If you look at every one of these times in, in history, John, the aftermath has always been far more pro- prosperous, far more opportunities, far more abundant than what was before it. And I think everybody has an opportunity to change their thinking towards that right now. Well, a lot of things have already happened. Uh, I, I know you've experienced this. You've had more time with your family because of this. Okay, you've had more time just to be by yourself and think. So a lot of good things have happened. Uh, last night I went to Lowe's checking on a, getting a dishwasher. They didn't have any. So we don't have any. You got like nine of them right here on display. He said, we don't have any. They're all sold out. 
We have a backlog. They actually have one model of it. They have a negative 176 in the warehouse. <laughs> I said, how can you have a negative 176? He said, let me explain. That means 176 have been ordered that haven't come in yet. So what, what I'm getting at is people are taking more time to do things at home, do-it-yourself projects, et cetera. Companies like Lowe's, Home Depot, you know, nurseries, the gardening folks, they'll tell you they're prospering like crazy because people are buying more stuff from them because they're doing home projects. So what's my point of that? My point is through any crisis, any crisis, there's always some group or industry that's doing well. So all we have to do is sit down quietly, which is difficult for most people, quietly, turn the phone off, turn the TV off, and just relax and think through, okay, where am I? What should I be doing more of? What should I stop doing, do less of? And get use the, our own reset button. Because some people are panicking, they're fearful, and they are making themselves sick. Others are saying, I don't like this. Hell, I got news for you. I don't like it. I, I'm angry at the fact that the government has the right to control my life and tell me what I can and can't do. I don't think it's near as bad as in some areas as they're saying. But I'm not a health professional. What do I know? All I know is I'm John Curry, 67-year-old male, who likes to get out and go do damn things, and I can't do it because some people said, you can't go do this. You make me wear a little mask like I'm a bandit or something coming in, you know? But here's the deal. I have to adapt and work within that. But in my personal world, you call it Planet Curry a while ago, in my personal little planet, I get to decide those rules. I can decide to be angry or I can decide to be positive. I can decide to be you know, helpful to people. Uh, and I, I will tell you, I've learned this early in my career, thank goodness, with some good mentors. If you take the mindset that whatever business you're in or job you've got, that your job is to serve the people that you're working for or with. Even when I was an employee of somebody else's, my job was to serve you. If you're giving me my paycheck, I'm there to serve you. What do you need? I need to take the trash out. No problem. Go do it. But now you have to, I'm not going to trash out. Why would I do that? Well, because it needs to go out. Maybe that's why. So it's the mindset. But again, it all circles back that if you know what you want and you know why you want it, then I submit to you that you will be able to have more patience and be persistent because you won't give up on it. And I do mean what I said about reading about some famous people. Most of what I read is history or autobiographies or biographies because most successful people, they were not overnight successes. They failed many times. You and I love Walt Disney. One of the things I thought of earlier is plussing it. He's always talking about how do we get it better? How do we improve it? He called that, let's plus that, plus it, plus it. Well, the guy, in, in any way you measure success, he failed in a lot of ways before he became successful. I mean, I could give you hundreds of examples because I read so much and study and still do. I mean, I got people still, how many books are you reading? I'm reading three now. And I, and I hope that when I'm 100 years old, I'm still reading and studying. I know I got a fun soapbox, so, but you better take control here. <laughs> no, I think that was all that. Well, we burned uh, close to an hour here, I think. So let's bring this one to a close. Thank you for uh, investing some time with me. This has been good. And, uh, and I think it's all of these ideas tie together. They're all, uh, they're all interrelated. And I think that's, that's the important part of this. <clears throat> Uh, I, I want to make an unabashed, uh, uh, un, uh, 
I guess a non-shameful plug here about something. The stuff that you do in your world is something that anyone who owns a business or they're in sales, they need to investigate. So I simply say, whoever's listening to this, if you're in a world of where you want to learn how to set up systems and processes, you need to investigate what Steve does. I don't know how to do that stuff. I don't do it. Uh, I go do what I'm good at doing. I surround myself with people like Steve, April, Jay, all the people on my team. They can help me get things done. So if you are like me of the mindset you want it done yesterday, then find the people that can do it for you. Uh, one of our mentors, again, uh, Dan Sullivan, Steve talks about the minute you think about something to be done, don't ask how, ask who. Who can do that? Who can help me do this? So I was simply, in my part of it, I simply saying, folks, uh, I know we're going through trying times. As we're recording this, this is what, uh, May 22nd, 2020? Uh, but you know what? We'll be just fine. We'll be just fine. We'll, we'll hurt a little bit. We might even have some financial setbacks a little bit, but you know what? Be persistent, be patient, and go out and just keep moving forward and just That's go it. do. Absolutely. All right, folks, stay tuned for the next episode. And uh, Mr. Curry, always good to see you again. Thanks for being here. Pleasure seeing you, Steve. Thanks, folks. This episode of the Unstoppable CEO podcast is sponsored by the Unstoppable Agency. That is the agency part of our business where we work with professional service firms and create a done-for-you marketing program. And what that looks like is we actually sit down with you. We come together and define your ideal client with you. We go build a list of those people, and then we begin reaching out to them on your behalf to book them as guests on your podcast. We call it podcast prospecting, and it's a fantastic way to connect with potential clients and influencers that can refer you, and it's end-to-end a done-for-you system. And so if that's something that you think might be the right fit for your business, go to our website, go to unstoppableceo.net. You can uh, find there on the homepage a link to a video presentation that explains how it all works. And if you'd like, let's get together and have a quick 20-minute conversation and see if we're a fit. Again, that's at unstoppableceo.net. Right on the homepage, look for a link to the video that explains how it all works.